0: How we doing, lovely people? We all doing blessed and highly flavored. (laughs) Okay, uh, yeah. So again, recapping, looking forward to a good time. Holy week coming up, beginning this Sunday night with revival services. Okay. Sunday morning, we always want to entertain the presence of the Lord, and yet we try to steward the presence of God in a way that a first-time guest wouldn't be like, "What in the world?" Okay. But this Sunday night. It's home, folk. Okay, and we used to have a saying about let the bobby pins fly. Some of you who've been around church long enough, all right. So this Sunday night, that's what that is. We're going to be hooping and hollering and having a good time in the presence of the Lord and praying and prophesying and singing and preaching and all that great stuff. So if you really love a move of God, join us Sunday evening, okay. And if you don't love a move of God, come anyway, and you'll learn to like it. Amen. All right. And then the next Friday, Good Friday, uh, our communion service nailed, where you get the opportunity to nail some issues to the cross, okay? We're not going to nail any husbands or wives, all right? But other issues we'll we'll nail, okay? And then, of course, Easter Sunday morning, a great opportunity, as as he said, people are going to church anyway, okay? On Mother's Day and Christmas and Easter, people feel guilty, and they come to the house of the Lord. (laughs) So we want to steer them to what we know is a good house, is a good house, a safe house. All right? So here we go. Y'all ready? All right, here we go. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, you can turn with, or it'll be up on the screens. I'm going to be reading from the New Life uh, translation tonight. We're going to be reading 2 Corinthians uh, 4, verses 10 and 12 in the New Life version. If you got it, say, I got it. And all the rest of us are looking to the screen, I guess. Okay? Here we go. Starting at, at 10. We got it, team? We carry marks on our bodies that show the death of Jesus. This is how Jesus makes his life seen in our bodies. Every day of our life, we face death because of Jesus. In this way, Jesus is calling right now. Tell him we said hello. (laughs) His life is seen in our bodies. And 12, death is working in us because we work for the Lord. But his life is working in you. I want to read 12 again. Death is working in us because we work for the Lord. But his life is working in you. Now, that little phrase right there, death is working, is really odd to me. That's very strange to me, the thought death is working. If you ever cared for a plant or tended to a garden or even won a goldfish at the state fair and brought it home and cared for that little sucker, all right, death is something you want to avoid, all right? If the plant starts dying, things are not going well. And yet we read in the scripture, where there is a way that God uses to where death can actually work for us. All right? So here we go. And I've been living for God long enough to know. I know I look like I'm 19, but I'm really not. All right. Joan Rivers treatment, you know. And, uh, but I've been living long enough for the Lord to know that sometimes we can look around in our life and survey the season where we are in and find ourselves in a place that we think we did not pray for. God, I did not ask for this. This does not look like what I prayed for. In fact, this looks like just the opposite of what I prayed for. I prayed for a promotion, and it looks like I got demoted. Okay? I prayed for increase, and it looks like I'm going backwards. I mean, I was praying for surplus, and my finances are going the opposite direction. I mean, I I declared it. I believed it. You know, in the service, I spun around 10 times. I slapped my neighbor high five 22 times. And yet I find myself in a place that does not look like what I was believing for. Has anybody ever been there? If not, I'm just going to preach to myself. I'm going to be up here and I'm going to sit down there. But surely you've lived life long enough and faced disappointment. You found yourself in a spot that is not what you were asking for. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. Uh, Last week, one day last week, God woke me up with a dream and I had told the Lord, I knew I was on the schedule to speak, and I said, "God, if you don't give me something specific to speak, I'm sure I could just dig up something, but if you don't give me something specifically, there's going to be a long pause. They're going to turn the floor, and we're going to sala for 35 minutes. All right, But God he woke me up with a dream that I feel was for me, and I f- personally, and I feel it was to share it with you all. And it was about the dye process. And he began to speak to me about fabric and the process that fabric goes through when it is dyed. And the transition that takes place. You can put that up on the screen there for the wheel. I'm going to refer to to carpet tonight. That was was specifically in my dream. You can use any fabric. Uh, We have a carpet, a rug about this big, in our little girl's bathroom. My wife and I have two little girls, Shaden, who is eight, Alondra, who is soon to be three. And we have a hot pink and a pale pink rug that goes in their pink bathroom. Okay. And it's quite fitting for for two little girls. And there's like a little pink poodle in there that's ceramic and about this big. And it's all like totally pinked out. All right. And that rug is very appropriate for that space. But if you were to take that same rug down to the local tire barn here in town and put it at the front door, it would be totally out of place. Totally out of place. And they would either ruin it or probably just toss it out. All right. And it's not that either one of those is wrong. It's just an, it made for a different space. Brother Will, shoot that pic up on the screen for me. This, this leopard carpet looks fantastic in this home here, all right? But if you were to put all that carpet in our new auditorium, if you were to say, use, say, 15,000 square feet of leopard carpet, it might be just a little much. Now, Pastor Renee would probably love it. <laughs> She'd be all in, you know? <laughs> but it might be a little much to behold every Sunday, you know? We'd really be closing our eyes in worship because we couldn't stay in the carpet. All right? And it's not that any of these carpets is wrong, they're just designed for different spaces. And so the designer made these carpets and put them in a, with the process, with the end in mind, putting them through the process of where they were going to go. And so I looked up, I'm not a, an, an avid dieteer, if you will, okay? I don't dye carpets for a living, so I had to do a little research, okay? And so when I pulled up some research on dyeing fabric or dyeing carpet, I was amazed, at the similarities of the process that I know that God can and will take us through. And so I looked it up, and the first process, the first part of the dye process, it says that it's the process of adding color to textile products like fibers, yarns, and fabrics. There are mainly two, you can take that leopard carpet off, brother. There are mainly two classes of dye, natural, which is God's way, and man-made. There's two processes you can go through. You can do it God's way. Or you can do it man's way. Okay, now we can look around all the world and and see where the world and society is taking God out of the picture, and it doesn't turn out so hot, all right? But if you do it God's way, you get a good result. Like, Bishop Jake says it like this. He says, I don't want to be manipulated. I want to be God-ipulated. And if I'm going to go through a process, I want to know that it's God-ordained, and it's God leading me through this, all right? If I have to take pain, I want to take pain with a purpose. All right. I don't want just want some any pain or self-inflicted pain. If I've got to walk through something, I want to know there's a purpose attached to this pain and this frustration and this hurt that I'm feeling. And if I know God ordained this season, when I get to the other side of this season, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. All right. So, God can use people to pattern us. One of the things that God uses in our life to pattern us and to get us the colors and the, and the pattern and the fashion that he wants us to be is he uses people. I mean, think about Esther. God used Esther to shape and save a whole nationality. All right? Think about, uh, think about David, how God used He used David to, to, to step in and, and slay a giant. All right? And God will use people in our lives to pattern us. I mean, think about the people who are in your life. And we are in great part a result of what we have been exposed to and the people we have been around. Have you ever had that moment, you know, where you hated what your parents told you as a kid, but now it's your turn to be a parent and one day you're correcting your kid and just out of nowhere, here comes that saying that you loathed as a child and you scare the holy heck out of yourself like, oh my God, I'm turning into my father. I can't believe I just said that. I remember the first time I was correcting, uh, not the first time, but one time I was correcting our eldest, Shaden, several years back. And just out of my mouth came these horrible curse words of, I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> well, I just whipped the tar out of the kid. I mean, don't you think she had something to cry? And, and, and I said that, you know? And it's amazing the influences that we have in our life of how that, how that comes out in us. Londa, you know? She's a third-generation hyper, get-the-job-done, and the house has got to be in total order. And every time before we leave the house for an extended period of time, okay, she has got to totally clean the house before we go. Because the thought of coming home to a dirty house is just mind-wrecking to her. Her grandma does it, her mama does it, and she does it, all right? If we have the kind of carpet in our current house where you can, you know, vacuum it and leave lines she must be greeted by lines when she comes back from that week vacation or that weekend stay and it's because of what she's been exposed to all right there, years ago I was a kid I used to suffer from from severe allergies and there was a, a minister that came in town and he said if you need prayer come on up well I went up to get prayer for allergies and he began to prophesy over me and at that point in my religious culture we didn't invite prophets to come to our church in fact we didn't invite him back after that but in his one one time that he got to come, all right, he began to prophesy over me, and he said, uh, he said, Chris, one day a lot of pe- you're going to be a great man of prayer, and a lot of people are going to look to you for prayer. And I thought this man is as nutty as a fruitcake. <laughs> he has lost his mind. But God led me through situations later where he really developed my prayer life. All hell was breaking loose and I learned how to pray. And then years after that, God sent my wife and I to serve at a church that had a full-time prayer pastor. And so we work with her all the time. And living with, not living but being with her in that surrounding, it really helped elevate our prayer life just being around her to the degree that I went from being a guy saying, "You know, I think I'll just sing. I don't want to pray. I don't want to speak. Just let me sing." just let me worship, all the way till when her and her husband moved away to start a church, I stepped in, in addition to the music role, the worship pastor role, I stepped into the prayer pastor role of a three-story prayer tower. And I felt comfortable with that because of what I had learned and gleaned from her. So God used her to shape my life to the point of, in Wisconsin, they don't say root, they say root. All right, R-O-O-T, they don't say, they don't say root, they say root. So just a couple weeks ago, I was praying for Pastor Lindsay, and I said, I curse that thing at the root. I just bind that thing at the root, and I dismiss it at the root. And I used to make fun of Wisconsin people for saying root. And I, I was praying up here for Pastor Lindsay and I didn't think a thing about it until afterwards they came in my office and they were tickled. They said, you know when you were praying that you were saying I curse that at the root? And I couldn't believe it, but it's because of, of what I had been exposed to. All right, and that was coming out, and God had used her to help shape and, and pattern my life. God will take a person who is a neat freak and will let you be with a slob. All right, maybe you're married to him, or maybe you're on the job. God will take a person who is a very creative person, but maybe a little nutty, you know, and put him with a person who is very organized and very structured. All right. And God will take the good stuff from this person and, and, and mesh it and combine it with the good stuff from this person. And have you ever thought that maybe you're at your job and you're hating your job because you're the only person there that's like you. But maybe God sent you to that place on assignment. Because you have a happy personality and with, when you walk in, in walks the kingdom. Should be anyway. When you walk in, they should be blessed by association just because you're walking up in the building and employed there. And when you walk in, in should walk in healing and resources and creativity and a good attitude. All this when you walk in. And you're hating the job, but maybe God sent you there to deposit that stuff into the atmosphere. And if you could get over just bearing down in your cubicle and just doing what you have to do until it's time to go home, Maybe God could elevate you to the next season if you would let him use you what he sent you there for. Just a thought. All right? Uh, the Lord helped me out. You know, I am a very... Thank you. Uh, I like people. Some people make the, have to work at liking people. I actually like people. And uh, I enjoy being around people. And I'm a people person and so on. And I try to treat people with kindness. And I try to honor them and respect them and respect their time. But a couple of years ago... Uh, longer than that. I won't date myself. All right. Sit a little ways back. God allowed me to work with someone. They had to be, he was my boss, and they must have been the devil's first cousin. (laughs) Because they were seriously intense. I learned a lot from them. I learned a lot of what to do. They had a lot going for them in some areas, and I learned a lot of what to do. But have you ever been around somebody and learned what not to do? And I also learned what not to do from that person because though they were very gifted in some areas they were about as kind and friendly as a mad kangaroo with a porcupine on their pouch (laughs) and they just didn't have a lot of grace and they would yell and they would scream and God taught me how to honor and and keep my mouth shut because my mind moves pretty quick and I can be kind of witty and I'm usually not short for words all right and I could think of something to say but the Lord used that season to help me keep a lid on it. Okay, This person also, uh, they had us on, on, a, uh, on a, a shoestring budget, but they expected a Disney World production. Okay, Now it's one thing to expect a Disney World production. Give someone a Dollar Tree budget and understand, look, do with this what you can. This is where we are. It won't be like this always, but this is what you have to work with now. Uh-uh. No. This person was like, here's two nickels, alright, and I want you to make this huge production. And if you don't, All hell's going to break loose. Okay? And I was in a season saying, God, I did not pray for this. This is not what I asked for. And if you will get me out of this alive, I will never treat people this way. I will never treat people this way. But what I did learn was to take less and do a lot more with it in that season. And sometimes you'll find yourself in those situations where God will have you in in a place to teach you how to do more with less. Because one day, you might get to bid on a contract, and your competitors might have this number, and you can say, well, I can top that, and I can do the same thing but better for less money. And you learn that in a tough season that you would not want to go through again, but it taught you something. But it taught you something. Okay, that was a fun season. Thank God that's over. Oh, Lord. And I'll tell you what else it taught me. Because if you're gifted in an area and it just comes easy to you, You may not have a lot of compassion for people who are not gifted in the same areas that you are. And it's easy for you to get frustrated. And there was a certain area that I used to get so frustrated at my wife in. Because I was just naturally gifted in this area. And she had to work at it a little more than I did. And working with hell on wheels like I did, man, it made me slow my roll. Because I know what it felt like to be in the other seat of someone who didn't get it as fast as what I did. And it taught me how to treat people. So God may put you in a situation where you know what it feels like to be the receiving end of all the haterade. All right? So when it's your turn to be in the big seat, you treat people with respect. And you know what it's like. So the next part in our dying process. And if you notice how I have that spelled, D-Y-E-I-N-G. There's also an I in there because two parts that we're talking about. We're talking about a color, a pattern, but we're also talking about a dying out. The next thing I thought was so true when I went to look at the dying process, it says temperature and time controlling are two key factors in dying. Good Lord, temperature and time control are two key factors in dying. God knows how to turn up the heat in my life. <laughs> at the same point, God knows how to cool things down in an area when nothing is happening with nothing. <laughs> Have you ever been there? And God can use a situation to die you. God knows how to get that atmosphere just right to kill some things in you that need to be killed, to squash some attitudes and some old mindsets and some stinking thinking and some strongholds that need to be squashed. God knows how to get you in the right season. He can work all things for your good, and he can take that season of lack and do something great in that season. Several years ago, my wife and I, I think we'd been married about three or four years and we were both raised in a very religious and legalistic uh, church denomination. And we had been feeling God calling us out of that for, for a good bit. It was a huge step because when you're raised in that, we have our own subculture. We have our own friends. You know, We come out every now and then and run in Walmart and then go back and hide so the world doesn't taint us, you know? And so we were in that culture and we, we were raised in it and we felt God calling us out. And as a child... Uh, all the way up until adulthood, adulthood, we had this convention every year. It was this annual convention, all right, and it was like the highlight of my year to go to this national convention. Okay, and I just dreamed. It was always over the Thanksgiving holiday, and I dreamed as a child of getting to sing at this national convention. There would be about 8,000 people there, and I wanted to sing in this so bad, and. God worked it out for me, long story short, to not not only did I get to sing it at this convention, which meant a lot to me, and God will give you the desires of your heart. You know, he's good like that. But not only did I get to sing it, but God put my wife and I over the whole music and worship for the whole conference. So we were the ones putting all the worship teams together and all the choirs together and all the bands together and all this stuff. But if I wanted to follow God and walk away from legalism, I was going to have to leave that behind. What I had wanted for from a kid all the way growing up that God gave to me, I had it for two years, and God said, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to walk away from that. And that was, it was a hard decision to make, and yet it wasn't, because I wanted to follow God. And so we followed God, and so this, this convention is over the Thanksgiving holiday every year, and so I'm thinking... You know God is really going to honor me for the decision that I made that hard decision and he is really going to reward me and come next Thanksgiving. I bet you I'm going to have some great big gig and God is really going to honor my faith and my obedience. And we got closer to Thanksgiving and closer to Thanksgiving and closer to Thanksgiving and nothing was happening with nothing. And I tell you where we were. We had left that atmosphere and we had went to help some friends of ours, great great people still involved in mentors in our life, went to help them start a church, okay? And so we had left that fun platform of a great band and all those worshipers and all that fun stuff, and we were helping them in this church, this little church. We got this little building, y'all, and it was so old and dilapidated, literally, when you drove down the street, you could see it leaning sideways. And when you walked up the stairs to the second level, you were literally walking by faith because you didn't know if those steps were going to hold you up, all right? And it cost my wife and I big financially because we'd really been traveling and, and, and singing at the time. And it cost us big financially. And I, God, really did a work in me in that time. If you know, if you know me very well, you know I enjoy cars. A car is, is, is a nice thing to me. You know, some people enjoy fishing. Some people go, you know, buy yachts or whatever. I like cars. I have a Honda Civic right now. It's not that great of a car, but it's clean and it's shiny and I'm enjoying it, all right? So I really enjoy my car. Alright? But in this season where God was working in us and I wasn't getting what I had asked for, we had a choice to make. Either we returned, and this was, I wasn't raised like this. You know, my mom's side of the family had to work for everything, but my dad's side of the family had a few nickels to to rub together. Um, But in this season, we had to make a decision. Do we give the car back to the bank, or do they come take it? So we just decided to to give it back to them. Alright? And In return, we got this car. Now, this is Deegan, right? This is velvet jacket, Deegan with the pocket swatch, big hair, likes a nice car, Deegan, okay? And the car that we got to replace our nice SUV, Lord in heaven, it was this 15 or 20 year old Buick Park Avenue that somehow in my mind, God at the time graced it to where it, it looked like... I said, baby, you know, it kind of has the style of an older Jaguar. I could see that, you know. Didn't I say it? And she wasn't buying it at all. Man, that thing, it had, it had plush. Uh, oh, remember those plush sheets cars used to? It had those plush sheets and they were burgundy. And this bad boy had a horn on it that was unbelievable. It was like a foghorn to a semi. You sit down on that thing. It was serious. To where I'd pull up, I'd honk the horn, and my friends would come out laughing. They'd say, are you serious? Are you serious? And, and all this stuff, and, and things aren't working out right, you know. Thank God our lights were, were, were never shut off, and, 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 and my mom didn't even know how bad off we were. She came over one day, and we had, like, no food in the cabinets, and my mom just broke down and started crying. She said, I had no idea it was like this. I could crown you for not letting me know that, that, y'all, needed, that y'all needed help. And it was a tough season. It was a tough season. It was a tough season for sure, especially when I felt like we had done the right thing. And people were talking about us now because we had left the fold. And instead of God setting us up and and blessing us, we went into this dark period of time where we were believing God to pay the electricity bills. And I remember driving home from paying the bill, talking in tongues, thanking God that we were going to have lights for another month. But I tell you what it did in me. It birthed an appreciation and a gratitude. Many times, even today, when I flip on a light switch, I say, Lord, I just want to thank you. When I turn on running water, I say, God, I just want to say thank you. I just want to say thank you. And on the backside of nowhere was some of the sweetest and most intense spiritual times that my wife, have ever, my wife and I have ever had with the Lord. We sit down in an old piano in our house, and we'd sit around and just worship because we had to to live. It was that sort of rough spot. And God would meet us there, and it would be intense, and it would be so sweet. Man, I saw visions in that time. I saw angels in that time. It was amazing the deep stuff that I saw with God in that time. But it was a time when I was broken, and it was a time that I was hurting, and it was a time that I was low. But in that season, the pain wasn't for nothing. The pain had a payoff, y'all. And part of who I am today is because of that season that I walked through then. And I wouldn't want to walk through that again, but I'm thankful for what that season yielded for me in that time. When you think about David, David was the anointed king. He was anointed, but it wasn't the appointed time. And David had to walk through a season. David was the one who was anointed. David was the one who had the good attitude. David was skilled. David was a sharp dude. But David was the one who was, had, to, had to work with a crew and a bunch of scallywags, all right, a bunch of bandits, while Saul, with a bad attitude, and his time was up, was living in the palace, eating the best of the best, living with the best of the best, working with the best of the best, and it was, it was not even his place to be there. But one thing I've learned about the Lord, God is a God of, of grace, okay? And though Saul's time was over, God is a God of grace. And God's grace to somebody else Mean your weight while God is giving somebody grace on the job that you know is yours, they're getting grace and I'm waiting, they're getting grace and you're waiting. But enjoy it because it may be on the other foot someday. You may need the one needing the grace, you may be the one needing the grace. You look at Joseph. That man had a dream. It was was a for real dream that God had given him. And Joseph had to walk through some stuff to get to the place of authority that he was. Joseph found himself in a place where he had to choose uh, integrity. The man he was working for, his wife, was coming on to him. And no one would have known except Joseph and the lady. But Joseph chose integrity. And the funny thing to me is God, you know, I would have thought angels would have come down from heaven when he said, I'm not going to sleep with this woman. I thought angels would have come down out of heaven, there would have been a big party, and way to go, Joseph, you made the right decision. That's not what Joseph got at all. It looked like Joseph went backwards. And we could think, what in the world? I kept the right attitude. I kept my mouth shut when I could have let them have it. And I find myself in a place that seems like I went backwards. But God was building a character in Joseph that sometimes, just happy times, just won't won't yield. And another thing that God was doing in Joseph, Joseph had a gift. Joseph had gifts. He was multifaceted and multi-gifted. And Joseph could interpret dreams. And God knew that he had to use that gifting in Joseph in his earlier years because later Joseph was going to be reigning and he was going to be too busy to be interpreting dreams. So God, in the earlier years, in the tough years, had to use that gift. So you may be in a season right now. It's not a season of abundance. It's not a season of overflow. But God has you there, and he's using you. And you're going to be so busy later with the overflow, you won't have time to do some of that stuff. So God says, i got to use her now. i got to use him in that, in that now. And as we read about Joseph, Joseph made it. And that's encouraging to me. His pain wasn't for nothing. But he made it. Say he made it. he made it. He made it. In one of those seasons that I was in like that, I was sitting at the table and I was just so frustrated because I had been praying, I had been praying and, and it didn't seem like what I had been praying for was, was being answered. And I was sitting there at the kitchen table and I said, babe, we were eating dinner. I said, babe, you're going to have to excuse me. I got to get at the keyboard and I got to worship. I just felt like I needed to release something. And I went to the keyboard and God downloaded this song to me one of the prophetic words over my life is I'm supposed to write songs. Have, have you ever gotten a prophetic word that you're not real excited about? You know, I mean, there's those words that you're going to be blessed so much to be a blessing. You're like, hey, hey hallelujah. I'll take it. And then there's those other words. are like, oh, God, really? Are you sure? Is, is that me? You know? But every, since the time I was, I don't know, every prophet that comes in town, Chris, you're going to write songs. Chris, you're, you're going to write songs. And I try to be obedient to that sometimes. All right, I'm just picking and so I sat down, and God downloaded this song to me just like that when I sat down. And the word, in my season of frustration, when I found myself in something that I didn't pray for, this is what God spoke to me. I planned, and this is the, the verse of the song, I planned your life before it started. Planted dreams in your heart. I know who you are and all that I created you to be, and it's greater than you thought it was. You came to me for a blessing. So I turned up the heat and gave you less of you and more of me. What you asked for needed character to hold it. So I sent the fire to come and to mold you until the inside of you was equal to all I've promised to do. Sometimes we've asked these big lofty prayers from the Lord. And he says, okay, I'm happy to give that to you. I need you to do that for my kingdom. There are people who need what you have. But I'm going to have to walk you through a process. I'm going to w- have to walk you through a process. And in that process, you can look around and say, I must have missed it. I'm, I must have done something wrong. What, what did I do? What did I do? Pastor Lindsay and, and little Randy Jr. were over our, at our house the other day, and he must have done something that she thought, that she thought was inappropriate. And she spanked his behind and put him in timeout. Well, then Pastor Lindsay got real passionate about a story and forgot that little Randy was in timeout. And about five or ten minutes later, she takes a breath, and he says, thinks that's a good point to to get it in, and he says, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready to apologize, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I thought, boy, have I been there. Have I been in those places where I felt like, God, whatever I did, whatever I said, (laughs) I apologized. I apologize, get me out of this can I get out of time out now I'll be a good boy I promise I'll get along with people I'll eat my broccoli and my asparagus just let me get out of this and sometimes you can look around and, and think you are out of the will of the Lord and that's not necessarily so you could be in the die process where God is changing you and God is doing stuff in your life Amen. and after you've been through all that you think it would be over but after a garment has been colored and fashioned and dyed then it's got to be delivered and in that delivery process the dye packages are packed and delivered have you ever felt packed ever felt like you were in a tight place you could be in delivery. In that stage where God is delivering you, it could be tight. The, the Scripture says it like this in Second Corinthians above. It says, uh, "Pressed but not crushed." Y'all know that Scripture? Persecuted not abandoned. The New Life version says it like this: We are pressed on every side, but we still have room to move. You got just enough room to get those hands up and surrender. We are often in much trouble, but we never give up. People make it hard for us, but we are not left alone. We are knocked down, but we are not destroyed. You've got to understand there are benefits from what you are walking through. It's not for nothing. There's benefits. God is doing something inside of you in this season. And it's hard, and it hurts, and it's painful, and it looks like other other people are prospering, and you're not. But don't freak out. Don't get disturbed. Try not to be frustrated. No, God has got you in the palm of his hand. And he's doing something inside of you. Your insides may literally feel like you're dying. Your dreams are dying. Your destiny is dying. Your faith is dying. Your hope is dying. What you're believing for is dying. You feel like you're dying on the inside. But trust that death is working in you. Death that's working in you. So ultimately, God's life can work in you. There's a couple things I want us to remember, some practical steps. You can jot these down if you want to, that when you're in a season like this. Number one is don't make any long-term decisions. You're tired, you're weary, you're wore out, you're in a place of pain. Don't make any long-term decisions, okay? It might not be a good idea to sell the house. It may not be the best ideal to go bleach blonde in your hair because you're just at a place where you're not sane like you will be later. Second, in this season, you got to know God is good. you got to know God is good because life and circumstances will tell you otherwise. And you have to come back and know that God is a good God and he is ultimately working all things for your good. Next, we got to trust. we got to trust. A great sign of surrender is put your hands up. If someone was to walk into a place where you're eating, they had a gun, your hands would go straight up. That's the international sign of surrender. And in this season, it's a good thing to just surrender. Just get your hands up. Because you can get out of this season now, and God can take you back around that mountain later. (laughs) Or you can just get it in this season and be done with it. And get what you needed. So God, let me get it now. You know, if you've got to go in and remove my gallbladder, gallbladder, I don't want to come back in six months to take out my kidneys. Get my gallbladder, get my kidneys, get my heart, get everything you got to get in this one trip, because I don't want to come back around again, if I don't have to. You got to trust, like David, though he slay me, yet will I trust him? Yet will I trust him? Next, you got to be thankful. The Bible says, "In everything, give thanks." Didn't say for everything. But it said in it. In everything, give thanks. It's hard for God to get something into fists that are closed tight. Open up those hands in thanksgiving. Lift them up. God, I thank you. I got my eyesight. God, I thank you. I can hear. God, I thank you I'm not going hungry. God, I hate my job, but I thank you I've got provision and I got a car that gets me there. And be thankful. And be thankful. Thanksgiving I don't think it's as much for God even as it is for us. Something positive happens in your psyche, in your inner man, when you begin to speak positive and get thankful, as opposed to just vomiting the negative that you're living in. Next, don't look at others. Don't look at others. Asaph, the musician for David, he said, I almost fell when I looked at the wicked because the wicked looked like they were prospering. Here, I'm the one doing right. I'm believing. I'm the man of faith. I'm the woman of faith. And I'm on a sinking ship. And they're getting the promotion. Okay? But you can't do that. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You can't even look at other believers. Because God has this route in different places. God might be sending me spiritually to Florida. But he's taking you to, to, uh, to Alabama. So you, he might route you through Tennessee. And he might take me through Georgia. So you we can't even compare. That's not even apples to apples. Don't compare yourself to others and where they are. Open up your mouth and declare the word of the Lord. Declare, 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 declare. All right? If you see something that's out of line, like Jesus did a fig tree, don't just let it go by. You open up your mouth and you declare the word of the Lord. If you see lack and you've been seeing lack, you open up your mouth and you declare the word of the Lord. You resist poverty. You resist sickness. The Bible says if you resist, the devil he'll flee. Open up your mouth and speak to those things. Speak the rhema word and speak the logos word. Speak the written word of God and speak what God spoke to you. I don't care how long you've been praying or how long you've been believing. Speak what God spoke to you. It wasn't your ideal. God spoke it. So you just repeat out loud what God said to you. And you speak that thing and you declare it out loud. And you keep on declaring it. When you don't feel like it, wake up out of bed and I am blessed. I am blessed so much to be a blessing. I will run the company. I will start the business. I will get out of debt. And you declare those things. Next, don't be pushed out prematurely. Don't be pushed out prematurely. Don't let someone on your job where God sent you to do something in you. Don't let somebody with a bad attitude or a nasty spirit or with jealousy push you out of somewhere prematurely. If you know that God has you there, you may not even be happy about it. But if you know God has you there in that season, on that job, okay, you stay there until God says go. You don't say, I can't fool with these people anymore. God knows what you can take. Okay? If she says something more time, I'm going to crush her out and let her have it. Okay? Don't let somebody prematurely push you out because God will take you around to that season. God doesn't change his mind. And you can march out of something and he'll march you right back into the same situation. So get it while the getting's good and be done with it. And be done with it. Don't let somebody push you out prematurely. And finally, get better, not bitter. Get better, not bitter. That's the decision that we as believers make. I can decide to get better from that thing, or I can decide to be upset about it. I may have every right to be cotton-picking mad about it. I may have every reason to be bitter about it. But I'm going to make the decision to be better from it and not bitter. Because bitterness is just going to eat at me and destroy me. It's going to destroy my faith. It's going to destroy my destiny. It's going to destroy my family. How many people do you know that never reached what God had for them because they're mad about something? They're mad at somebody. They're mad at a boss. They're mad at a relative. And so just letting it go. And they think that their bitterness is hurting that relative or hurting that person. You haven't seen the person in 20 years. And it's still, you can't even say their name without foaming the mouth. All right? Get better, not bitter. This season in the die process, when it seems like maybe all hell is breaking loose or it's not what you thought, it's not what you hoped, all right, it's God ordained. It's God ordained. It's God ordained. Keep the faith. Keep believing. Keep praying. Keep trusting. Don't stop coming to church, y'all. Don't stop coming to church, all right? The scripture says, forget not the assemblings of yourself together. It's not so we can just come out and look pretty. There's Something happens when people of like faith get together. And create an atmosphere where heaven comes down to earth. Keep on coming to the house of the Lord. Don't become a hermit and just stay at the house. And listen to Oprah to get fed. <laughs> All right? Keep on coming to the house of the Lord. We're going to close. I'm going to pray a prayer over us. And, uh, and then Elder Ronnie, he can, he can dismiss us. At the close of the service today, some elders are going to be here to pray. My wife and I. Mama Deegan is in the house. My mom is here. And we're going to pray for you. If you're in a season, okay, we may not pray you out of that season. And if it's not your time, I don't want to pray you out of that season. But we can pray fresh strength and fresh faith faith and fresh grace into you while you're in that season. So if you need prayer tonight, we invite you to come up and get it. You want to bow your heads? I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to speak to your people tonight. Father, I have walked through this die process season And I know that I can come out better. And I know they can come out better. So, Father, everyone in this room under the sound of my voice that is in a process right now that is hard, it's difficult, it's not easy, they're walking through, they're walking through. Father, I pray that you would touch them. Father, I pray that you would give them fresh strength and fresh grace. God, give them tenacity to take a licking and keep on ticking. Father, I speak of freshness into them, Father, of freshness into them. Work on them, God, even in this atmosphere tonight. Somebody that was about to give up, God, let them rise up and say, all right, all right, now this makes sense to me. This is God-ordained. I can make it. I can make it. I can make it. I can make it. I'm going to wait on the Lord. I can start the business. I can run the company. I am qualified. God says I'm qualified. My education or my surroundings may tell me I'm not qualified, but son or daughter of God, hear me. You are qualified. If God said it, you are qualified. Nothing is impossible with the God that we serve. So, Father, I declare every prophetic word that you have spoken over each and every one of us, it will come to pass. We will be a living testimony to the goodness and the greatness and the faithfulness of our God. We might be in transition right now, but we are coming out of this. We will not be in this season forever. We will not be in lack forever. We will not be in pain forever. We will not do without forever. But we will come out, and we're going to come out victorious. We're going to come out happy. We're going to come out strong and mighty, ready to advance your kingdom. I declare all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And if you believe it, say amen. 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 God bless you tonight.